Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. All right, Wizards fans, welcome into another Believe in Wizards podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Pat Moderno. Today, I've got John Morrow of Bullets Forever joining me. We're going to talk about the addition of Tomas Sadoransky again, the rotation, who should be playing, which of the young guys deserve more minutes, if they deserve more minutes, that sort of thing, like who, who should be in and out of the rotation, prioritizing development versus making the play-in, essentially, and, and sort of that dynamic. The fact that Kyle Kuzma is for real, that's not even really like a topic of debate. It's just we want to discuss how for real that is, or at least I do. We'll get John's take here in a minute. Spencer Dimwitty had some comments about, again, his leadership not being well-received and maybe that being a difference between his, I don't know, resurgent play in Dallas so far. And then we'll close out the show with our prospect profile for this week on Dyson Daniels of the G League Ignite, sort of a rangy secondary ball handler, point guard, wing type guy. So we'll, we'll get into all that. First, as always, word from one of our sponsors, betonline.ag. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach fired is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to Olympic coverage, it's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. As always, we'd love any reviews or feedback you guys are, are willing to offer for us. I know it certainly makes my day when we get an iTunes review, but it really does boost the profile of the show if we get a bunch of good reviews. So let us know uh, if, if you think we warrant a good review or a good rating. And uh, if we don't, again, we always appreciate feedback. We've been trying to get some good guests on here in the last you know, couple months. So hopefully you guys have been enjoying what you've been hearing. Hit that little subscribe button. I know every podcast says this, but there's a reason for it. That way you're not reliant on a tweet or a Bullets Forever article or whatever to remind you that there's an episode out. We've been trying to bring you episodes every Wednesday this season, uh, which we've been pretty successful at, but there's been a lot of like additional bonus episodes and trade deadline stuff and uh, all-star break stuff and interviews like the Aton Thomas one we brought in a little ahead of schedule. So that threw our rhythm off because we really want to talk to him about his book. If you haven't heard that one, go back and check it out. Good stuff there. Uh, buck hands, things like that. So we are a little bit dependent on guests time frame, but again, trying to bring you some consistent wizards coverage. So if you like what you hear, leave us a review, 
if you don't let us know, we'll do our best to, to incorporate that. And uh, yeah, we'll just, hopefully we got more great things to talk about the rest of the season. Definitely some encouraging signs. Kuzma has been balling out. That's at least been fun to watch. They're competitive in games. That's always more fun to watch. Even if they don't win them, if you're pro tank, maybe you're enjoying that because I, the more I get into this draft class, a top 10 pick really does seem pretty legitimate. Even a top eight pick would be better if there's some way to sneak you know, a couple spots up. So we'll see what that looks like for the Wizards. Uh, but yeah, let's just kind of get into it here. So without further ado, here's my conversation with John Morrow of Bolt Trevor. All right, welcome in John Morrow. John, thanks for joining me. Matt, thanks for having me. Excited to do this. Yeah, um, we've been trying to do this for a while, so glad we were able to sync up here. I think we've actually got some stuff to talk about, which at this point in the season for a maybe playoff team or a maybe non-playoff team, it's not always the case. Uh, we've got the buyout candidate, Tomas Sadoransky, joining the Wizards. Tommy Shepard said that they would not be players on the buyout market, so I was a little surprised by this reunion, but I guess let's just get your initial thoughts here. What do you think about Sato being back? Yeah, so the one that I, I saw some Twitter conversation about for sure, and I think I think overall it's a, it's a good thing because I think there's at least potential that that he can be around next year and, and him playing fairly well next to Beal in the past, positive signs, right? Mm-hmm. But I think you have to balance that against the the fact that he's I think he's 31 to start next season, so and then obviously his his experience so far this year. Not the best. So, yeah, interested to see um, what it looks like with him with him back in D.C. So you brought a couple of good points up there. I think some of the media day comments kind of segue perfectly into that. He talked a little bit about how he got hurt uh, prior to the Olympic experience this year, and he ended up having a different role in New Orleans than what he you know expected to have. So between the, him sort of intimating they gave him the switcheroo on what he'd be expected to do and not being able to properly prepare for the season. I think that was kind of his way of explaining why he seemingly dropped off a lot this year. Cause you know, thirties, yeah, thirties, not old, old, right. Where you would expect him to be in, in massive decline. So I think that gave me like a little bit of comfort to hear that. It's not just like, Hey, I've fallen off a cliff uh, athletically or anything. It's just like, I got a slow start and it was a weird fit and that team's kind of a shit show. Yeah. And that's, I was looking back at it, just, you know, the the monthly splits and and what it looked like at the beginning of the year. So they have Kira, Kyra Lewis. I'm not Mm -hmm. not sure if it's his first name, but obviously coming off of, you know, I think he was a lottery pick last year, someone they're prioritizing. So I guess for him to be losing minutes to him kind of made sense, but then he gets hurt after about 25 games. And then I think it's Jose Alvarado comes Mm -hmm. in and, the two of them were battling it out and, and he sort of took over the backup point guard job entirely. So I think going back to when he was traded to New Orleans and I guess it was in the Lonzo side sign and trade, right? So pretty decent $10 million salary. So you would think they had a pretty, they valued him enough to at least make that deal in the first place. So yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't hear the, the media day comments, but interested. I was wondering about his health because I mean, the stats are ooh, really, really rough. I hadn't watched much New Orleans this year. There hasn't really been a reason to, right? And I I heard he had been bad. I didn't know how bad. I went and looked and I immediately cringed and is like, okay, well, he's a win now piece for any team. And without Zion, they're not a team that's going to win anything meaningful anyway. So I kind of get like them phasing him out to some extent, but even when he did play to your point, it was, it seemingly was bad. So uh, I didn't really know what to think. He talked about just, 
more about like the the injury thing kind of slowing him down. And I think we've seen like continuity and integrating with teammates, how important that's been here in Washington in the last couple of years. So I don't know if that's just like not being able to fit in and never found like his stride or, or got comfortable or not. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like he had a, a pretty good run in Chicago, right? Okay. I mean, he, his stats were very similar to what he did in DC. Yeah. Um, he got consistent minutes. He's, he's known as a quality defender. He's a steady player. I'd, I'd like to think he can age well just because he's, he is athletic for sure. But at the same time, he's not really that reliant on it. seems like kind of a more of a savvy player. Um, obviously being six, seven as a point guard, he can use his size pretty well. So did they mention Have you seen anything about what sort of contract he signed? Did he just sign a minimum deal for the rest of the year? Basically it would be like a vet minimum for whatever that, Sure. That slot okay. is for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was I was wondering about that. Just to I didn't know if they maybe put like a non-guaranteed year on for next year or anything like that. But if it's the same contract, that, that makes sense. I, that's a great question. I actually don't know how that works. If it if it includes like the, you know, a contingency for for the rest of um the follow-on part of that deal. So that'll be something I can look into and, and update. Yeah, exactly. My understanding of the buyout was that you they essentially the player has to give some money back, right? Mm-hmm. In order to get out of the the deal, so the team saves some money. That's their reason for letting him go. And then, right. and then I thought, I guess they go to waivers after that, and then, and then the Wizards decide either to take, put in a waiver claim or just sign him out, right? I believe he cleared waivers, right? Okay, that would make sense, um, especially with it with his salary amount. But I, I was thinking about that recently, just because of I think the Wizards are almost the entire. Uh, mid-level exception below the salary cap still or the luxury tax number so i I started thinking about a a reunion with another former dc point guard (laughs) and that being a reason why if if they really wanted to try to have a solution for next year if they wanted to go back to wall and and offer him say a good portion of the mid-level exception for this year and then and then next year too i feel like that could that could be a good a good reason for a buyout for him right for him to give money back with the rockets but I'm not sure either side is, is interested in that reunion. It's interesting because I would have assumed Sadoransky was in a similar boat. He seemed like he left on not exactly the best terms. And maybe that was directed at Scott Brooks personally, because uh, every year they try to find someone new to like face him out of the lineup. So I, I don't know if that's just sort of like the extent of it. Brooks leaves and now he's okay with the organization again. Whereas like Wall, yeah. I'm not sure Wall would step foot in D.C., uh, while, you know, Leonsis is above ground and breathing is sort of my take on things. Yeah, I would agree. And I mean, I, I think Tommy Shepard, I, I remember when I thought it was actually a pretty good move at the time, the sign and trade for him with the Bulls. I think he got two second round picks back, but he, he had really good, good things to say about Sadoransky. So I think he probably built a relationship with him going back to when they were, when he saw him in Czechoslovakia. So that always helps to have uh, somebody who kind of, isn't kicking people out <laughs> when they're leaving like that. Yeah. If, you know, and somebody that believed in him too, because he wasn't necessarily a, a big name upon getting drafted. Sadoransky kind of confirmed that, right? So he came out today and he said, I'm excited. It's been a pre- crazy past couple of days, but now I can be where I wanted to be. I always felt like it's home here. And he alluded to that a couple of times coming back home. And when asked why he wanted to come back here specifically, he cited the opportunity to actually play here. And then it being an easier transition, uh, just coming back somewhere where he's familiar and the people are familiar with him. And that's sort of where he dovetailed into the like the the role in New Orleans and what a tough year he had and why. Yeah. Like 
being somewhere where it would be like easy to kind of get along would, would be good for him. Right. Yeah. I'm interested to see what it, what it looks like. I mean, don't have too many games left this year and they have now we're back to three point guards who all seem to be at right around the same level as types of players. Right. So does he get time right away? Does he, does he have to earn his way under the court? Will he actually embrace playing more of a wing role at some times like he didn't before? Should be interesting. So he also got asked about that today and he said position didn't matter to him, but his strength is to try to make other players around him better. So he does sure. like to see himself as, you know, more of a setup guy, more of a facilitator, but he doesn't care if he's the point guard, the small forward, the point forward. You know, I think he was just sort of happy to like try to contribute. So I do think we'll see like a good amount of minutes for him the rest of the way here, potentially even starting. I know Ish Smith has said routinely he does not like to start and isn't even usually on the bench to start games. Uh, at least that used to be the case. I haven't been going lately, but uh, that was his deal before. And, you know, Neto has been better, I guess, after the trade deadline, but like still yeah. not particularly good. So I would imagine that we see a pretty healthy dose of Sato once he kind of gets his feet under him. Yeah, and I think with Neto, it's he, he's capable for sure. You know, he's an NBA fringe rotation player, I would say, on most teams. But is he a pure point guard? And he, yeah. he, he's usually looking to score first. He, you see flashes of passing, but I, I think definitely Sadoransky is that. He, he's that's what his, his mo is: is to set make make teammates' lives easier, right? So looking forward to. I know Ish is also he, he's a point guard for sure with the way he plays. But sometimes he, he's looking for a shot as well. So I think Sadoransky is going to be at least a good fit with to inject some more size in there and make it easier, hopefully, for the you know the recent draft picks. I think the fact that like Neto doesn't like to pass and Ish really kind of can't shoot from the perimeter, it really limits you in terms of like seeing what these other guys can do. Whereas if Sadoransky can do both capably and also defend a little bit more, even if he has slowed down, he's still long. So hopefully yeah. that helps him defend a, a little bit more capably than than either Ish or Neto had. And I saw a few crazy tweets about like, why do we want like another slow, unathletic guard to bring in? So just <laughs> to set the table for everybody or set the record straight here, when Sadoransky was here the first time, he used to routinely like beat uh, Kelly Oubre in in-house dunk contests. They would like goof yeah. around and, and Sadoransky was like, the most athletic person on the team at that point in time, a team that, you know, had Ubre and wall and all these guys. So I, I think the, he's a white European guy myth here. Uh, we can kind of dispel that one you know, sure. right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he doesn't really sometimes play to that athleticism. I mean, you see the, the, the random dunk uh, here and there, but like he is, he's definitely a versatile guy. I would say with the way he, hopefully the, the shooting, you know, I think, in his first run in DC, by the end of it, he was pretty capable shooter, even at low volume. Um, but it looks like that's my biggest question: is it, has that just gone away? Like, what you would think that wouldn't regress the way it has, but if there's a health issue, then that that would kind of make sense on that. Yeah, if you're a little beat up and the team around you doesn't make a lot of sense, and you're not, you don't have much offensive flow. I, I, I'm hopeful that that just sort of like explains it away. But I definitely wouldn't be investing too much for next year until we kind of see how this plays out. The one thing I don't want to see would have been like a Scott Brooks staple 
of like Ish, Neto, and Sadoransky out there together. That's like my nightmare. Yeah. So I hope we can avoid that at all costs. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it earlier. I, I feel like we probably will see some of Sadoransky and Neto together just yeah. because there isn't really a clear backup shooting guard at the moment. I mean, Kisper can play there some, but mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of shooting guards, he, he'll struggle to keep up with laterally. But that's better than than Ish and Ish and Westbrook together, <laughs> as we saw last year. Yeah, that'll that'll always haunt me. All right, let's kind of take that the next step here. The rotation, like you're adding more people. Presumably, Porzingis comes back healthy at some point, or maybe not. But let's just say, for sake of argument, he does. Who should be in the rotation? Like, who, somebody's got to fall out. Who should we be dedicating minutes to? Like, you know, in your ideal scenario here. Who is like your top eight or nine guys? Yeah, so I I think we're definitely going to see all three of the point guards at least in there for a little bit mm-hmm. to to suss out who who plays best with the others. And um, I mean, they're all over thirty now, so we, we we kind of you would think at least one of those guys has a role in next year's team. So yeah. determining, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see. I, I think Sadoransky might play better, but I think we kind of know who each of them are. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think all three of them will be in there. KCP at the two. I think both Neto and Kispert will play some two behind, behind him. And then, so that's, so that's pretty much five guys with Kispert. I think Abdia and Rui for sure. I think keep them coming off the bench. Um, So that's seven. And then I think, I think they've got to take Bryant out of the rotation if Porzingis is playing because it's just we're, we're kind of already going back to the, an overcrowded rotation, really. If if we have if we're playing Bryant and three point guards, it's going to be tough to get Kispert, Abdia, Hachimura the time that they need. I think so. Yeah, that that's the challenge, right? It's finding enough twenty five at least twenty five minutes per game for those three. Um, that would, if, if I were coaching the team, that would be my priority to to see those guys enough, and it. Seems like that's happening most nights, but also there are a few nights where we see Rui getting 15 minutes or so, and it's a little frustrating. Yeah, he's sort of maxed out in like the low 20s, the last like handful of games, and and I don't know if that's there is sort of a, a minutes restriction on him phasing back into things. I would hope not at this point because he's kind of been back long enough, but the team's been a little vague about that when asked so i don't really have a good read on if they are capping him you know sub 30 or something like that but denny's been getting around 30 ish minutes a night yeah. for, for the most part he had one game in the 20s but also one game where he had played the i think the double overtime game here he played 37 minutes yeah yeah so that the i guess that skews the numbers a little bit i was looking at just overall february who was mm-hmm. playing what and yeah it looks like Denny and Kispert are both at 28, but Rui's at 22. If you take out the, the game he got hurt in, so yeah, I would think I would think Rui, especially being closer to needing a contract extension, you kind of want to see what you have. Is is the shooting really? Is it real, mm-hmm. or is he, you know, kind of the same player he was in year year two, right? For anybody who hasn't seen much of Rui lately, he hit 21 of 43 three pointers you know, at a certain point this season, which is close to 50%. So if you can maintain even like a reasonable facsimile of that for, for forever, I think he's a guy that has to play more minutes. Personally, I'd like to see him start. I'm kind of over the KCP at small forward experiment personally. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of think KCP is playing a little more too now with Kispert starting, but mm. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, the whole league wants these big wings, and the Wizards seem to be – they have a lot of them at least. They may not be the highest of quality, but there's a lot of them, and they're they're all capable. So, yeah, I would be prioritizing seeing really what you have in really because I think it, he and he and Avdia just – there's so much overlap in terms of their position, right? Mm. So – eventually I think they'll, they don't have to choose one, but if Kuzma is going to be here too, and Kispert's best mass matched up on threes or fours as well. I mean, that, that would be the one spot or not the, the one spot, but one of the areas that they could be, you know, combining that with a draft pick or something to try to improve. Yeah. Each of them are probably two of your very limited assets on the roster. So if you're going to get rid of somebody somewhere, one of them going makes sense. And even if you're just featuring them for, you know, a trade deadline or, you know, a, a trade on draft night or something. I think that's worth at least positioning yourself to be able to do. And I think that's been one of the criticisms people have made or concerns people have had about the Sadoransky deal is that, well, that's less minutes for one of those guys. It shouldn't be right. Like yeah, Neto's probably not back here next year. Ish could be Sadoransky could be. I think you want Sadoransky because he's probably more well suited to make those other guys look better. He's willing to pass yeah. more. His shooting enough should open up some lanes for them. So that's why you bring him in is to actually help feature them better. Uh, whether it works or not, it relies on Wes Unseld kind of making the tough choice of sitting somebody down. And we just haven't really seen that yet this year. So I'm not really sure how that plays itself out. Yeah, and I'm also interested to see, I mean, with Porzingis, it, is he really going to be playing some power forward? Because if that if that's happening, then that makes the crunch. Yeah going to be even harder to point. get enough time for those three guys because i mean i i definitely think gafford should be getting at least 20 minutes too so yep. somebody's going to fall short i guess most nights but it, it seems like there's they can make this puzzle work so that everybody they get enough at least evaluation time with these guys so you would hope that um, what we saw in the past regime would be would be ish and netto playing more than they should be or something right and and you know frustration getting to an all-time high but I think if they make the playoffs now and they, they have a good positive second half of the season, I mean, it's really going to be based on what the young guys do, I, I think. So, yeah, if it were me uh, going along with what you said before, I would give Bryant the boot the minute Porzingis is able to play. I'm still not totally convinced we actually see Porzingis play more than a handful of games down the stretch. Like, if they go one for four over their next five games or something, there's kind of no incentive to really rush him back out there you know even the play-in would be a stretch at that point so I, I do like your your idea of finding out if he can play a little four or can you play him next to Gafford or can you play Gafford Kuzma and Porzingis together like all those kinds of things it would just be interesting to know if it's if it's an option for next year or not yeah no, I would think it can be done it's just a matter of you've got you've got uh three guys who probably profile as power forwards and now that now we're kind of taken away just the those 48 minutes but yeah i mean you're right I, when do we see Porzingis? i mean it, it sounded like he was going to be based on what unseld said was he was going to be ready to go after the all-star break and he's i think he's still only playing one-on-one right so they said he said he was healthy also which is weird to me i get them being overly cautious and there's stages you got to clear so healthy versus us willing to clear you is sort of different and maybe they're intentionally being ambiguous about it, but yeah, he hasn't even played three on three yet, which means you're still, I don't know, a week or two away would be my guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, and even then, it's <laughs> will it hold up for a couple games, or is this dreaded soreness going to come back? So yeah, I think Bryant being there, having Bryant and Gafford is, isn't the worst rotation I have mm-hmm. centered while that happens. But yeah, I just don't don't see how Bryant can play next next to Porzingis, and I think we should absolutely be prioritizing Gafford over him, which wasn't really happening before the trade deadline. So if just if he's not in the future for the team here, you know what he is already. And he's played enough games here for me to say, I don't think he's taken a big jump at the very least, you know, in terms of how he looked in the past. I'm curious for your sense on this. Like he was never good defensively and maybe I was just willing to defend it more because the perimeter defense was so bad, but he has looked exceptionally worse to me defensively since returning. And maybe that's the knee or maybe it's hesitancy or maybe it's not having the time to like integrate to the new defensive schemes there. Like everyone else got earlier in the year, but does it look worse to you? Yeah, I think the year, the what was it, the 10 games before he tore his ACL or 15 mm-hmm. games, I, I, there seemed to be a really concerted effort to improve defensively during that time frame. And I, I thought there were flashes where it seemed like he was really trying to come over from the weak side. But mm-hmm. you look at it, he's he's pretty weak in pick and roll. He just can't move his feet on the perimeter. He's pretty slim in the lower body. So it seems like when, when guys really make an effort to yeah, just move him, to move him it, it happens right and then he provides some rim protection but it's it's not enough so i mean it i think i think he's definitely a, i think he can definitely be in a rotation and, and play in the nba but starting center i, I don't see it I, I don't see i don't see a big improvement coming defensively from him and i just don't see a scenario where he'd want to come back as a third center next year like at, at the very least he's somebody who probably thinks of himself as being able to compete for somebody's starting spot or yeah. at least like being locked into a, a backup role on a good team. Whereas here, most likely you're competing with Gafford for the backup spot as sort of best case scenario. So if you're not going to bring him back and you're probably not going to move Gafford, which I don't think they should, like why play him? I mean, I get it now if you need a healthy body, but yeah. I'd rather see some amount of like Kuzma as the backup five, depending on the situation or the lineup than I would more Bryant minutes. He's not going to be worse defensively against bigger players. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's just, I mean, you got to look at the, what they got back for Harrell. I mean, a, a weak second round pick, uh, they took on an extra roster spot from Kerry. And then I guess the, the Wizards play some value in his Smith, but if they took that for Harrell, I would think they couldn't get more for Bryant. Exactly. So it, League wide, I wouldn't think that he's looking at more than definitely not, um, you know, even five million a year, if that. But which is good guy. I don't. I think you know it wouldn't be the worst thing if he came back. It just seems like his role is been marginalized. Yeah, I mean, I've been like the probably the biggest Bryant proponent of anybody, but when he transitioned from like this sort of rim running, I'm going to beat my opponent down the floor, energy big into like, I am a fade away 19 foot shooting big. I I sort of lost as much of the willingness to defend the defense as I used to have. Yeah. And he's, his percentages are actually much worse this year too. And I think part of that is definitely the, the step down point guard play. So he's not getting the, you know, the good looks inside too, but so he, yeah, it's probably in his best interest to look elsewhere as well. He needs somebody to set the table for him. And also, I think like a really defined role for just like focus on what you're good at, be a catch and shoot big. And we just don't need to see him dribble three times and then take a step back. Like, it's cool that you can do it at 6'10", but 
doesn't really help the wizards any. So uh, I'm I'm kind of okay with a, a parting of ways there. And maybe give Carey a few minutes just to see if he can do anything or if he can be a minimum guy next year. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think he can personally, but it'd be nice to know. Yeah, his his history in the NBA is really weird. He's only, I think he only played like four or five G League games this year before coming over. Yeah, he played um, five for the Greensboro Swarm and four for the Hornets, I want to say. Plus, he played 14 of their bubble games last year. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's very odd. Like, was he injured or why Why was he not playing in the G League? That's, that's pretty odd. I but, think they were so limited from the center position on the Hornets roster that they, like, kept him up with the big club for a good stretch. But yeah. never were really desperate enough to play him because... I don't know if a team needed center minutes and he couldn't play for the Hornets. It's probably a bad sign about like his readiness or ability to help a team right now, at least. Yeah. Agreed. It, um, I, I also want to see him though. Cause that, I think he's listed at like two seventy five, and he looks to have lost. He's a big boy. Probably. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely, I mean, his dad, I think was a pretty good NFL offensive lineman, but mm-hmm. yeah, he looks to have lost a lot of weight. So I wonder like, is that, is he is his feet any better now? Is he going to be able to guard in the perimeter any better? Because I, I don't I don't think his issues were offensively. I think right. he's pretty good at finishing inside and, and using his strength. And he's also, I mean, what was he, the 32nd or 31st pick? I mean, that yeah, very early first, right? There somebody saw something. So it doesn't it doesn't look like how it's gone so far in the what first five games that he's really going to get a chance at least this year, though. So he was such an interesting one in the draft, and I did like my pre-draft rankings by position. And I had him as the seventh center on my board solely because the production was so good at Duke, like offensively that you couldn't rule him out, but none of the things he's good at are things that NBA teams value, especially in like a backup big, he can't shoot it. He's not going to protect the rim. He's not switchable. So like is a backup post-up big, like really going to help you that much, but yeah. You know, if you can put up numbers, you can put up numbers like Anise Cantor Freedom still gets on rosters <laughs> because he can score around the rim. So yeah. if you can provide that, maybe there's a chance for you to do something at least. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, you look at, yeah, Cantor Freedom is a, is a good example, but Greg Monroe, those guys, yeah. I mean, you have to be really elite mm-hmm. at scoring inside and just maximizing your minutes. So if you're if you're not that efficient and you're not hitting threes or, you know, it's it's pretty hard to make it. So it seems... The Hornets, I mean, that was a decent investment for them to to bail so quickly. It's yeah. a pretty bad sign, especially because they I think they traded up to draft another center this year, too. So yeah, it's it's probably unlikely, but especially if you find yourself out of the play-in race, I, I just don't see why there's any incentive not to. If they do make the play-in, I think it'll be largely dictated by one person in particular kind of bawling out. Kyle Kuzma, since December 23rd, which is a 28-game sample size, he's averaging 22 points a game, 10 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1 block a game, shooting 50% from the field, 37% from 3, 74% from the free throw line. Like, that's a big enough chunk of time for me to say, hey, what I'm seeing on the court here is real. Are you sold on Kuzma being able to do this, like, from now on? Yeah, I think I am. I mean, he's he's young enough. You know, he's he seems to be a pretty good leader. He's really easy guy to fit around, right? So you can play him next to Porzingis or Gafford. But if he needs to play the three, he can do that. It's really durable. 
I think his defense has kind of fallen off a little bit as the year has gone on, but that makes sense with him taking on a heavier burden. I would say I'm sold, but I'm a, I'm a little pessimistic about what the next few years look like just mm-hmm. because of the contractual status. Yeah. I think that they're in a very Wizards-like scenario where if he if he has another good year next year, then he's going to want at least $25 million a year. Probably, yeah. and, and then it's you know, you're kind of trapped, right? The bird, bird, bird rights trap as they call it, because he's probably opting out. So I would, I would really hope that they are, are looking at and talking to him about extending now. Yeah. His value is probably pretty high right now, but could being get in more. that scenario yeah. or get, letting him get to free agency and declining that player option just sounds like a, a really bad combination to me. Yeah. We haven't had particularly a uh, decent luck in that scenario. So I'm, I'm with you. Like, People kind of waffled a little bit on the Gafford extension, but I, I was all for it because if you had actually featured him and he had played the way he had been playing, I think he would have gotten more longer term. So if you can lock in a reasonable piece, uh, even like a fringe starter for several years on a seemingly fair deal, I don't see why you don't do it. I mean, you're not going to get like a steal here, but at least, you know, you may not screw yourself long term. Yeah, and I think it, this year kind of showed that that stuff matters too, yeah. right? And some there's so many guys playing for their next contract earlier mm-hmm. in the year, and rotations were, were were overcrowded. So I think it definitely impacted the team in a negative way. So having him here invested and knowing he's going to be here for a few years and trying to build something, I think changes the dynamic and allows him and empowers him even more. But yeah, it, it's hard not to like him. I mean, everything he says and does seems. You know, you want to root for him, especially knowing that he gets kind of uh, some, I don't know, gets criticized a lot from Lakers fans. But yeah, he was a pretty key part of that team and, and seems to be an even bigger part of the D.C. team. So, yeah, like I think that was obviously a great trade that Shepard made. And Kuzma is really the, the main benefit for the Wizards, it seems. Even a one for one, like I would rather have just Kuzma by himself than another yeah. year of Westbrook at this point. So I, I think that plus shedding salary is still a win for you in terms of like one to one production. You made a really yeah, great point there about uh, um, team chemistry, right? Like so many guys were like fighting for a contract or fighting for minutes to lead to an extension or those types of things, or just to show that, you know, their role on last year's Laker team, they could do more. And Kuzma was like the one guy of that group, like I didn't feel like was trying to do that just because the things he said kind of didn't point to it. And the things his teammates said about him didn't point to that. You never heard him as the one sort of mentioned in reporting about who was complaining about shot attempts and things like that. And he was getting a lot of shot attempts. So maybe there's nothing to be unhappy about, but uh, more guys under contract, like it, it just eliminates those things because even if someone's not playing, they're not worried about like them not playing and how it impacts their ability to make money next season. So uh, I'm with you. I think that would be like a really shrewd move. And it also says to those other players, those young guys, like being a good citizen, uh, you know, plays into this, like we'll reward yeah. guys for being better teammates. Yeah. And I think sometimes the wizards have done that a little too much in terms of rewarding guys like Bertans. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I think just looking back at like, a couple of this year, obviously, with, I mean, you had Holiday and Neto, they're free agents, and then KCP is only partially guaranteed, and Harrell's a, a pending free agent, Brian as well. I mean, it's just too many guys like that, and we've seen that with the Wizards before. With I think it was the the year they acquired Markeith Morris at the deadline. They mm-hmm. were 
Um, I think they had a few guys that were supposed to be free agents and they, they talked a lot about how that impacted the team. And then I think the year when they had, they acquired Austin rivers. I think that was another one where guys were just Bobby Portis and stuff. And yeah, it's just too much. Guys are not all about the team. They're thinking a little bit too much about themselves, which is, is always going to happen. I mean, there's going to be, you know, a certain amount of players on expiring deals, but it seems that there, there has to be a balance there and there needs to be some stability. And it seems Shepard had that in mind, but it, I think he waited too long to act on it because it, it kind of ruined what they had going this year. It seemed. I don't know if this is just our fan base or this is every fan base or, you know, fan is short for fanatic. So like, it's just natural that it happens, but it's become this like thing where it's either you have to be so pro Kyle Kuzma or so anti him and there's a lot of people who are like, all they tweet on a game where he has 35 points is about like, oh, you know, he did X, Y, or Z wrong at the end. It's like, but you never acknowledge the guy hit eight of 11 threes or whatever, or vice versa. Like, yeah, I, I just, I try really hard to be objective. I like him personally, but this isn't a guy that you want to pay to be a second option on a team and that you expect to go anywhere. So if the price yeah. tag becomes, you know, north of 25 million a year, you got to strongly consider like, that's probably not worth it. 20 million a year. I mean, like I'd pay more for him than I would pay for Jeremy Grant at this point, to be honest with you, just because I yeah. think he's more versatile. But, you know, like saying he's done well doesn't mean that you're saying he needs a super max or he's the best player in the league, but he's a guy that should be like at best a third, but probably a fourth starter on a really good playoff team. Yeah. And he's shown growth. Like, I don't know why it's like uncool to celebrate that. No, I agree. And I, I think just he's a very public guy, right? And some of the outfits, just the, he's very active on social media. You know, I think he sort of invites some of that criticism at yeah, times. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it seems like his actions are speak louder than words. And he's, you know, clearly worked on his game. He's somewhat rebounding, passing, defending better than he has in the past. And, I, I think he is an, he's an acceptable third guy. I would mm -hmm. say, I, I think they, you know, I, I would say Beal is ideally a number two, but they don't, they're lacking the, the number one guy. And I think Porzingis and Kuzma could be, you know, both third options. So mm -hmm. who are we kidding? They're probably not going to get that the number one guy in the next <laughs> couple of years, but um, there is an outline there if something breaks through, but I, I agree with you on your Jeremy Grant contract, um, you know, mentioned there. It, there was all the talk about acquiring Sabonis and, and Grant and I guess John Collins, even like, I, I think Kuzma and John Collins are really not that far apart. I mean, they're, they're about the same size. I mean, Collins is a better shooter, but I think Kuzma's a better playmaker, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, sometimes there, we need to just kind of be a little more steady with, with uh, our fandom of him, I guess. He is what he is, right? He's not a perfect player, but, the, the criticism like of his shot selection down the stretch of a game that they, we wouldn't have even been in if he hadn't, you know, played like well above the level you expect him to play at is it, just sort of unfair to me because in a perfect world, or at least an even slightly more ideal world, he's not your number one option on a team with, you know, three other guys on the court that can't score. Like yeah, it's not okay. a fair situation to really critique him on, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm interested to see though. I mean, it, what, how it turns out. Like, if there, if he goes yeah. into next season on really an expiring deal, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just 
he's like, those are the kind of hard decisions that organizations need to make that the Wizards traditionally just have, have been wrong on. And I mean, so he's got really high value now and really, again, on an expiring deal. So figure out now if, if he's going to be around for a long term, term or maximize his trade value. But it doesn't sound like going into the deadline, there was talks of him being untouchable and whatnot. So that's kind of a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, it just that's another really great point. I think if if you don't think you can sign him long term, maximize the value for him at the end of the season, feature him heavily now, trade him and Denny, Rui, somebody at the deadline, get another pick, even like whatever you got to do, or take both picks and you know turn it into another player. But that's sort of the open question. Like he seems happy here from all accounts, but he's also like you said, a, a guy that considers himself sort of a public figure and. This is sort of a step back from LA, I would think, in terms of profile. So he seemed to think so with uh, his comment a couple months ago. Yeah, <laughs> I think he commented and said, "I don't know if you saw that one." So the best thing about DC is its proximity uh, by air to other cities. Yeah, that was that was rough. And then he said something else about like the restaurants here being like the the highlight. I'm like, really? Is that what DC has? I don't know. It was just kind of funny to me. All right, someone else that seemingly wasn't particularly happy here. Spencer Dinwiddie has been playing better for the Mavericks. You know, he played good here to start the season and then sort of tapered off. So who knows if it'll kind of last, but he's not been shy about sort of like making comments about being shut out when he tried to show leadership here. And I guess it's not the first time that we've heard that, right? So to me, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody like Harrell or KCP or one of those guys that have had a reasonable amount of NBA success were not receptive to Dinwiddie sort of, you know, telling them uh, how to play or how to be or any of those things. But to me, if Beal supports that, Dinwiddie doesn't get shut out. You know what I mean? So like it, it, to me, yeah. even if it's not Beal directly, it probably means that Beal didn't have his back at the very least. So I just don't know what to make of like Beal's ability to like, I don't know, find a running mate that he can get along with, I guess. Yeah, I think it's not so much that somebody he can get along with, but... <sighs> I think it's kind of been proven clear. I mean, it's been what three or four years now where he's, he's been the the lead guy. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's a a natural leader per se. I mean, he's, he's obviously a stand-up guy. He's um, you know, people, he leads by example and whatnot. Sometimes you need a Paul Pierce to, you know, kind of boss you around a little bit. It seems that that's not really his style. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I, I agree though. I mean, it, was it Montrez Harrell? Was it Unseld? Really not empowering Dinwiddie, but I think yeah, ultimately it comes back to Beal. I think there was, I, I don't, I think maybe they weren't clashing and you know sure. <laughs> swinging at each other like KCP and Harrell, but I, there was tension there. It seemed, and I think obviously losing and and you know the way the season went, that's that's going to you know just make that that's such a bigger issue than it would have been. But it 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 seemed like there was definitely tension that that just came from his Dinwiddie's he was just so passive though I feel like mm-hmm. the other players noticed that where it's kind of like I, if I'm not the guy then I'm not then I'm just gonna chill you know yeah, be like, in the corner yeah yeah it's like a, and I think Unsell talked to that multiple times like we need more aggressiveness and it, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Dinwiddie it just seems his problems were all mental like the need the need could be a factor but we saw it in the first 10-15 games he was he looked really good at times so that's a really tough one to figure out though. I mean, it's, it, it seems the wizard's culture overall has come a really long way. And I don't think 
you know, we heard of the locker room issues and we saw, you know, some, some guys kind of yelling at each other and whatnot, but was that overblown or was it, I mean, was it just the losing and, and guys kind of, you know, disagreeing with what was happening on the floor? It's, it's a tough one to figure out. You always hear winning cures everything. So maybe that's a large portion of it too. It just, I don't know. Those things always like kind of make me think. And I had a Tom Thomas on two weeks ago, I guess. And, you know, he said, it's really important. Like that isn't an overblown media thing. Like guys have to at least trust and respect each other. And I think the respect yeah. one is huge. Like a couple of years ago when the like young Celtics made that playoff run without Kyrie and he came back the next year and was like, okay, I'm the leader. They didn't receive that well. And it's a guy right. that had won a championship. So if you're somebody like Dinwiddie and you're not reading the room and you're trying to tell Kuzma or KCP or somebody that's got a ring already, like how to win, I can see them not being receptive to that. So it's probably some amount of like him maybe being a little tone deaf about his approach if they totally shut it down. But also there could have been like a larger thing here with some of those other guys. It just, as long as it doesn't bleed into next year, I guess that's what I'm worried about. It's just like, Finding the right mix of people to all coexist seems even more important to me when building a team than I kind of used to consider it, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, it's a shame that it didn't work out with Dinwiddie. I, I thought the, if things were really going to you know, take off this year and over the next couple of years, I think that he was going to be a part of it. And he keeps playing the way he's playing in Dallas. That, that trade might really look bad. But I think it, it, it should also call into question, I mean, I feel like Beal's, you know, trade value across the league was so, I think he was so attractive to other teams because it, it people thought that, you know, he was really easy to play with mm-hmm. because he could shoot really well and he played off the ball a lot, but if it's I'm questioning that now. Right. I mean, it, I think he, he very clearly kind of the, their styles did not mesh. And I think mm-hmm. that's because Dinwiddie wanted the ball in his hands. And I, I don't know, I, it's hard to make out like a, Dinwiddie seemed like he was willing to come off of the bench and said, I'll, I'll play whatever role you want me to. So was that, was that a lack of leadership from unsettled to not, you know, take him up on that? That might've really changed the whole season. But then again, he wasn't, when they staggered then he wasn't exactly. It wasn't good either. You know, he was, yeah. He was, it just seemed something was, he was just thinking too much. It's an odd one. Yeah. I mean, it just, I don't know. I kind of operate under like the, whatever can go wrong here will go wrong. So now I'm like even paranoid about like if it's two weeks later and he's still sort of like passive aggressively, you know, subtweeting people. It's just like, God, how bad was this shit? Um, yeah. Right. Hopefully that's a more him than us problem. John, anything else? Um, any, anything we missed here that you want to cover before we get out of here? No, I'm interested to see the next, the, the rest of the year here. I mean, I was going to get your opinion on who you thought might, might be better long-term here in Denny or Rui, but. That's a tough one to answer, I guess. I I personally am a little more pro Rui. Thing is, I, I think shooting makes more sense here longer term. And he at least has I, I more respect or I more trust Rui's ability to improve defensively than I trust Denny's ability to improve improve offensively. That's just sort of yeah. how I would separate the two, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Obvious shooting. I'm not I'm not sure that's really gonna improve that much. I mean it, Sounds like it's been tinkered with for years, but then again, it—I don't know. Maybe it's a, maybe it's an option C. Neither, <laughs> like yeah, could be both gone. Rui seems to be processing the game better, but you see it see so many times where he's just—he's just looking at the play immediately in front of him instead of thinking ahead, and that—that's hard to teach. I think hard to improve. 
but the shooting's good. So that, that could really help. I would just spend the off season, like working on both of them with their ball handling as much as possible. And to me, you just can't be a three in the NBA anymore. If you like, you struggle to put the ball on the floor against like reasonable perimeter defenders and both of yeah. them struggle with that. So that's a good point. Yeah, that, that was pretty much it though. I, I think KCP is a question as well. Should he be playing as much as he's playing 30 minutes a game as of now? Like, should he be scaled back a little? Should he, what do they do with, you know, his team option? Or So I think he's guaranteed 4 million or 14 Four, yeah. next year. I mean, it, that usually, you know, leads you to action. Like, do you extend him? Do you trade him? I think he's a, a guy that fits fairly well. You don't want him doing too much, but he's fine. So I'm, if yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with him too. If you're going to cater to Beal the, the way the organization has and their boys, like I just don't see him not being back next season in some context, unless they tell him you're going to come off the bench and he doesn't want to be here. Like that's kind of the only way I see him like moving on is if he asks to move on. Yeah. Well, I guess that that begs the last question then. What what are you the what are the odds that Beal's not a not a wizard next year? I think zero percent personally, yeah. but. A year after that, I think it's a 50-50 shot. So I, I yeah. think we see one more year of him locked in at a you know the most amount of money he can get. And then from there, I think is a total crapshoot. How about you? Yeah, I I think it's kind of being uh, it's not really being the there, I think there still is a threat of him leaving for sure. But yeah, he seems to have shown his cards, I think, before the trade deadline, before getting injured. He I think he could have asked out and it after that Clippers loss that he had to have been thinking about it. Right. Yeah. yeah if you uh, didn't move, if you didn't like press the emergency panic button there and, and get out of town, I just can't see you going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully the, the pieces fit around and better next year and, and we're a playoff team, not a playing team, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? I mean, if, if this team, if everything works out perfectly next year, maybe we'll, we'll close on this. I guess I see this as like a 44 ish win team next year. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know. It'd be, it's funny. I said 41 and 41 this year. And I thought the Vegas number of 34 was crazy. And now it's like, well, shit, maybe we should never root against Vegas. Cause somehow they just always know, but I don't know. I think best case scenario next year is probably a mid forties win team. I just can't see even with all those guys, unless they like magically hit on a stellar draft pick that, that the ceiling is much higher than like a, succeed yeah it seems like we're back into comfortable wizards territory it's just <laughs> we're not going to get to 50 wins but we're not going to bottom out either so uh we can hope maybe porzingis uh stays healthy and, and things change but um you know we'll be rooting either way right <laughs> yeah exactly john where can people find you online and things like that sure so i'm on i'm, on, I'm right a little bit on bullets forever and then uh, i'm on twitter jmorrow91 I'm, I'm, you know, replying all the time and, and keeping up with, with you and some of the, the best of Wizards Twitter. I think that's, you know, one of the better parts of being a fan is just how, how healthy our, our Wizards Twitter is. So, yeah, that, that's where you can find me. But thanks, Matt, for having me on. Yeah, John, for anybody who doesn't follow John, he's one of the more rational people on the entire Internet, in my opinion. So make sure to give him a follow and check him out on Bolts Forever as well. Um, we'll get you back on here later in the season, hopefully, and, and we can follow up and see, you know, what we were right and wrong about uh, from our kind of predictions here on the rotation and stuff. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me. All right. Before we get to our prospect profile for this week, let's just do a couple words from two of our sponsors. Let's start with NordVPN. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. 
And with all the threats that you face on the internet today, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at just under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And next, Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that's top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75% quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and featured. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or anything artificial. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. Let's close today's show out with a little conversation about Dyson Daniels, uh, one of the prospects that, that are mentioned in the Wizards' sort of general draft range. Daniels plays for the G League Ignite. He's Australian. He's a 6'6 guard. He'll be 19 years old on draft night. So far this season, he's averaging 11.3 points, 6.2 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 1.9 steals, and he's playing 31 minutes a game. The shooting, 25% from three, 73% from the free throw line, 45% from the field. I've seen people try to compare him to Giddy or Ben Simmons because that's the cool new thing to have like a tall Australian playmaker, I guess. But I don't really see him that way. To me, he's more of like, Lonzo ball without a jump shot, if that makes sense. He's like a big ball handler, but probably better as a secondary ball handler, but he could get you a rebound and, you know, push the ball up the court and find somebody in transition. He's a solid ball handler, but you know, I don't think you want him as like your primary point guard. Also the fact that he can't shoot makes that a little bit tough. All right. It's funny. I say can't shoot, but the jump shot doesn't look totally broken. It's kind of like a weird jumpy forward leg kick thing he has going, but up top, it looks okay. So maybe if you can figure the lower body stuff out a little bit better, or he gets more comfortable with the NBA line, it'll at least be serviceable. I think is kind of what you want to hope for. Again, if balls, the comp Lonzo balls figured it out. So maybe they can send him to the same shooting coach. I think the fact that he's just like a big ball handler who could play multiple positions offensively is, is kind of encouraging for teams or enticing to teams. He's really good defensively for his age, I think, and he's playing against grown men and just like holding up reasonably well, especially on the perimeter. He probably needs to get a little stronger to guard bigger guys, uh, you know, bigger forwards and things like that. But I wouldn't rule out that he can't do it. So the fact that he could guard one through three is, you know, again, that goes back to that ball comp. That's a thing that I think a lot of teams can you know, benefit from. He's a good passer. He's got good court vision. He's unselfish, maybe to a fault, which is kind of annoying. Sometimes he'll do the thing where like he has a wide open layup that he's driving in for and he'll kick it out to a slightly contested three-point shooter. So 
if he were a little bit more selfish, it actually might be better for him. But again, as a ball mover and kind of a connective piece, I think he's like a really good option. If I were a team in the twenties, I'd be really intrigued by him because I think he's a guy that could help raise the ceiling of like a good playoff team more than like raise the floor of a bad non-playoff team. So to me, I would be a little hesitant to take him in the Wizards, you know, sort of general range in that like 10 to 12 group. I think that's too early in my personal opinion, but he's got good hands. He gets a lot of steals. Again, he could probably turn into a decent shooter at some point in time, but he's not a huge wing, which is, you know, like Giddy is 6'8". He's a big dude and he's a, you know, at least a secondary creator. Daniels is the 6'5", 6'6"-ish range. Good size, but not He's not like oversized for his position, which I think a lot of teams are trying to do. And he's not like a freak athlete or anything. He's just kind of okay. Like he'll make some putback dunks or he'll make a, you know, a tomahawk in transition or something like that. But uh, he's not like a high end NBA athlete. And that might be sort of nitpicky at this point, but he doesn't use the athleticism. He does have to get to the free throw line very much. And I think some of that is, you know, strength and being young and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. He looks pretty good. I saw him once in person when he played against the Capital City Go-Go. In that game, he had 14 points, six rebounds, two assists. You know, that was pretty good. But he was just sort of seemed like another guy on the court. You know, he didn't really stand out from any of those actual sort of more, you know, perennial G League type guys. He had four fouls in that game trying to stay in front of people like Jordan Goodwin, who was a quick athletic player. Uh, got him in a little foul trouble. He had four turnovers, so he was a little sloppy with stuff. He shot pretty well and efficiently in that game. Five of seven from the field, two of two from the three-point line, which is nice to see. One of two from the free throw line, which isn't so much that he missed one. It's the fact that, you know, he only got to the free throw line twice uh, in G League competition is is a little discouraging. So, you know, I'm kind of not sold on Daniels in that range, but I don't know if the Wizards ended up with a later first round pick or something like that, or traded down from 10 and took two picks in the teens. If they'd used one of them on him, I don't think I'd be totally opposed to that, but of the G league guys, and this is one we can talk about in you know a future episode. I, I prefer somebody like Mar- uh, Marjan Bochamp, who's six, seven, really athletic and could be a guy that could come in and be a wing defender right now has some, you know, potential as a three and D guy, although the three is sort of a work in progress, I'd say, but he makes more sense to me because he's a little bit longer and bigger and an elite athlete as opposed to Daniel. So that's just sort of where I'm at. I wouldn't put another non-shooter at this point in their career next to Beal and expect them to be like really good fits. But you know, if he can shoot it well enough, then then maybe he does start to make a little more sense as somebody who can take some ball handling duties, be a good perimeter defender. So I don't know. He's there's some question marks there, I think, is what I just keep coming back to. And he's a hard eval because I still don't think we have a great understanding of exactly how to really evaluate the G League Ignite guys. Like this year's team is worse than last year's team. And this, you know, the group that's playing in the NBA right now has been a little bit of a mixed bag. Like Isaiah Todd has not done a ton after being decent for the Ignite last year. Jalen Green has not been good, in my opinion, thus far. He's just sort of um, really inefficient and higher usage than you want and can't really pass or facilitate for anybody for a guy that has the ball that much. Kamingo has been pretty good in my opinion, probably better than I think most people other than yours truly expected considering I had him second on my board, which maybe is crazy in retrospect, but I'm still not out on Kamingo. but either way, they haven't been so good that it's easy to say like, Oh, you know, G league success clearly translates to like instant NBA success. So 
you know, that that's just going to take a few years for people to really get a sense for exactly what production in the G League Ignite program means for people trying to like come out as NBA prospects. The one thing that is probably a good sign for Dyson Daniels, he played in the revised version of the rookie sophomore challenge thing uh, in NBA All-Star Weekend, and he looked pretty good. I mean, he looked competitive out there. He looked like he belonged. But I, I think that's also sort of like the reason I'm not very high on him is he's just a guy that looks like he belongs. He doesn't really necessarily stand out. So let's say we end up with like the ninth pick or the 10th pick. I think you want to take a swing on a guy that's just got like a little bit more upside to be better than that. And there are definitely going to be a few guys in that range that to me have higher ceilings. So that's where I'd go. Anyway, if there are more prospects you want to hear about, please let me know. I think we have more draft coverage coming in the next couple of weeks here. So I'm going to get some like real smart, educated on the topic kind of guys. But if you tell me in advance who you'd like to hear more about, I can definitely get people that are sort of more tuned in on those specific prospects. So again, let us know, you know, what? just let me know what you think in general of the idea of this sort of prospect profile segment we've been doing. And if that's something you enjoy hearing about, or if, you know, the draft is so far away that, you know, nobody's really focused on it yet or not. So we, we can kind of tweak the format here based on the feedback. As always, this has been Believe in Wizards. I'd like to say uh, thanks again to John for coming on. Thanks to our sponsors. You know, as always, we are presented by Bet Online. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will catch you next week. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done